No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of the Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we finish our study of Leviticus by looking at the things that the people could dedicate to the Lord. We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl continues in Leviticus chapter 27 on Simply the Bible. Hey, can you come over for dinner on Sunday night? You ask your friend. I'll be there, he replies. But then on Sunday afternoon, you get a call. Uh, sorry, something came up. I can't make it. We are rash with our lips, but unfortunately, we don't always follow through with what we say we're going to do. We have a missionary work in Romania that we support. One thing I learned quickly about the Romanians is that if you even hint that you're going to do something, they hold you to it, and they're offended if you don't follow through. But here in America, we'd make a pastime of making promises that we easily break. The scripture warns us about making such rash promises. Proverbs 20, 25 says, It is a snare for a man to devote rashly something as holy and afterward to reconsider his vows. It is because of this human tendency that God gave rules for making vows. A person who had been forgiven by God could feel very grateful and want to give God something in return. So he might make a rash vow and then later regret what it was that he promised. God would allow the person to change his mind. However, it would cost him. No doubt God gave these rules to encourage people to count the cost before making vows and to keep the vows that they make. It also shows us that God never forgets a promise we've made to him. We pick it up in Leviticus 27. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When a man consecrates by a vow certain persons to the Lord according to your valuation. This phrase, consecrates by a vow, is interesting because the Hebrew literally means an extraordinary vow. This was something that was totally voluntary. God never required it or even asked for it, but it is something a person offered many times as an expression of gratitude. When Hannah was barren, she made a vow to God that if he would give her a son, then she would give him back to the Lord. God answered her prayer and gave her Samuel, who became a priest, prophet, and judge in Israel. True to her word, after he was weaned, she brought the boy to the tabernacle where he served Eli the priest. That's an example of making an extraordinary vow of a person. If your valuation is of a male from 20 years old up to 60 years old, then your valuation shall be 50 shekels of silver according to the shekel of the sanctuary. So God gives the price of redemption in case you made a vow and then decided to take it back. The valuation seems to be based on the amount of labor that a person would provide. A male in the prime of life had the highest valuation of 50 shekels of silver. That's how much it would cost you to buy back the person you dedicated to the Lord. If it is a female, then your valuation shall be 30 shekels. The female in her prime was 60% of the value of a male. Now this has nothing to do with the value of a person but it was likely related to the labor that they would provide. 
verse five. And if from five years old to 20 years old, then your valuation for a male shall be 20 shekels and for a female, 10 shekels. The school-aged child through adolescence up to being a young adult was valued at 30 to 40% of the adults. And if from a month old up to five years old, then your valuation for a male shall be five shekels of silver, and for a female, your valuation shall be three shekels of silver. A child needed to be at least one month old before he or she could be dedicated to the Lord. And if from 60 years old and above, if it is a male, then your valuation shall be 15 shekels, and for a female, 10 shekels. So seniors, 60 and older, were valued at 30% of adults in their prime. Now that I'm coming up on my 58th birthday, this has definitely got me thinking. But if he is too poor to pay your valuation, then he shall present himself before the priest, and the priest shall set a value for him according to the ability of him who vowed. The priest shall value him. God is certainly gracious. If a person rashly made a vow and then changed his mind, then it was really his own fault for making it. But God made provision for a poor person to redeem himself according to what he could afford. The priest would determine the redemption price that he was required to pay. If it is an animal that men may bring as an offering to the Lord, all that anyone gives to the Lord shall be holy. He shall not substitute it or exchange it, good for bad or bad for good. And if he at all exchanges animal for animal, then both it and the one exchanged for it shall be holy. Under the law, anything that you would dedicate to God, he would consider to be holy, meaning that it now belonged to him. So if you took it away, then you were robbing from God. We can't substitute the things that we dedicate to God any more than your neighbor could substitute his car for yours without your approval. If you tried to exchange one animal for another, then God would say, hey, they both belong to me. Verse 11, if it is an unclean animal, which they do not offer as a sacrifice to the Lord, then he shall present the animal before the priest. And the priest shall set a value for it, whether it is good or bad, as you, the priest, value it, so it shall be. But if he wants it all to redeem it, then he must add one-fifth to your valuation. An unclean animal would be one that wouldn't be accepted as a blood sacrifice on the altar. A donkey, for example. You could dedicate your donkey to the Lord, but then the priest would determine its value when you gave it. And later, if you wanted your donkey back, then you'd have to pay the valuation plus 20%. God is a shrewd businessman. Verse 14, And when a man dedicates his house to be holy to the Lord, then the priest shall set a value for it, whether it is good or bad, as the priest values it, so it shall stand. If he who dedicated it wants to redeem his house, then he must add one-fifth of the money of your valuation to it, and it shall be his. For most people, their home is their biggest investment. You could dedicate your home to the Lord. Now, I've had people ask me to bless their home, but I've never had someone want to dedicate it. To dedicate your home means that it now belongs to God. As J. Vernon McGee points out, to take that literally means that you start paying God rent to live there. 
As with an unclean animal, the priest would determine the value of the house. And if later you decided you wanted it back, you would have to pay that amount plus 20%. Actually, when you consider the way homes appreciate, you'd be getting a pretty good deal. Verse 16, if a man dedicates to the Lord part of a field of his possession, then your valuation shall be according to the seed for it. A homer of barley seed shall be valued at 50 shekels of silver. If he dedicates his field from the year of Jubilee, according to your valuation, it shall stand. But if he dedicates his field after the Jubilee, then the priest shall reckon to him the money due according to the years that remain till the year of Jubilee. And it shall be deducted from your valuation. And if he who dedicates the field ever wishes to redeem it, then he must add one-fifth of the money of your valuation to it, and it shall belong to him. But if he does not want to redeem the field, or if he has sold the field to another man, it shall not be redeemed any more. But the field, when it is released in the Jubilee, shall be holy to the Lord as a devoted field. It shall be the possession of the priest. Now, this is a bit involved, but basically... When you would dedicate part of your inheritance, God would only take a part of it because it was your family inheritance. Then the priest would set the valuation of it, the total valuation. If it was in the year of Jubilee, then it was the total price. But if it was after the year of Jubilee, then they would determine how many more years until the next year of Jubilee and prorate the amount. It would go down in value. And if you wanted to redeem it, You could redeem it before the year of Jubilee. However, if you didn't redeem it when the year of Jubilee came, then it was the permanent possession of the priests. Again, if you wanted to redeem it, it was the value plus 20%. And if a man dedicates to the Lord a field which he has bought, which is not the field of his possession, then the priest shall reckon to him the worth of your valuation up to the year of Jubilee. And he shall give your valuation on that day as a holy offering to the Lord. In the year of Jubilee, the field shall return to him from whom it was bought, to the one who owned the land as a possession. And all your valuation shall be according to the shekel of the sanctuary, 20 gerars to the shekel. So if you had bought a portion of a field from somebody else, then it was going to go back to that person on the year of Jubilee. So what you would do is on the year of Jubilee, you would pay whatever the valuation was to the priest, then it would be released, and then it would go back to the person that you had bought it from. But the firstborn of the animals, which should be the Lord's firstborn? No man shall dedicate, whether it is an ox or sheep, it is the Lord's. And if it is an unclean animal, then he shall redeem it according to your valuation and shall add one-fifth to it, or if it is not redeemed, then it shall be sold according to your valuation. The firstborn animals already belong to God. You couldn't redeem those. They were his already. Nevertheless, no devoted offering that a man may devote to the Lord of all that he has, both man and beast, or the field of his possession, shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted offering is most holy to the Lord. Now, this speaks of an especially binding commitment where something was completely devoted over to God and that you could not redeem. No person under the ban who may become doomed to destruction among men shall be redeemed, but shall surely be put to death. 
So something that was devoted to the Lord could also be devoted to destruction. For example, the city of Jericho was this way. God was devoting it to destruction and nobody was to take anything from it. It was all to be destroyed. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wants it all to redeem any of his tithes, he shall add one-fifth to it. And concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock or whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. He shall not inquire whether it is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it. And if he exchanges it at all, then both it and the one exchanged for it shall be holy. It shall not be redeemed. A tenth of the produce belonged to the Lord. And if you didn't give it to the Lord, you had to pay him for it plus 20%. And one out of every 10 animals belonged to the Lord and you could not exchange him. And if you did, then both belonged to the Lord. These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. And thus, the book of Leviticus concludes on this note. It begins with sacrifices at the altar. It ends with redemption. Now, as many people who are reading the Bible have difficulty getting through the book of Leviticus, may I be the first to congratulate you. You made it. Leviticus is the book of God's holiness. And the keynote is, be holy as he is holy. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of the Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. at Pepper Ridge Elementary School in Boise. To listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, just go to their website at calvarytv.org. You can also text them at 208-314-3377 with your questions or comments. We'd love to hear from you. That's 208-314-3377. Tomorrow, we will take a slight detour from our Through the Bible study to see where it all started. In the beginning. We hope you'll join us for Simply the Bible.